the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, family. Ron Geyer back with some more end time insights. Praise the Lord. So we're talking about sin. And today we're going to talk about the sin of pride. I think the first few weeks we've given you enough background information to understand that uh, the power of sin has been broken by the sacrificial death of Christ on the cross and his own personal sacrifice in his own body to free mankind from the power of sin. Hebrews 9.26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. That was if we were going according to the Jewish traditions where the high priest went in every year. But no, not Jesus. But now, once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, not by the sacrifice of the blood of bulls and goats. No, 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 the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. The blood of the Lamb. Uh, I forget who wrote this. This is really good. The inherited tendencies to evil remain still in all the human race. But the spiritual penalty which Adam incurred for himself and for all of us also, right, as our representative and as our head, that's been canceled by the sufferings and the death of our glorious representative and head, the second Adam, the Lord from heaven, Jesus Christ. Now, men, they're still going to sin. They still have to suffer the penalty for those sins which we commit. And when we don't go to Christ, when we don't get forgiven, when we don't get cleansed through the blood, men will not have to suffer the penalty, which otherwise must have accrued to them if we take advantage of the blood and the cleansing process through Christ. But as members of the fallen race with, well, first parents, Adam and Eve, uh, that no longer concerns us as Christians because we do have the blood of the Lamb. And Jesus put away that when he died. That's what that verse refers to. But now once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's what he's done. We will no longer have the threat of paying for our sin in an eternal state of perishing because of that death resurrection by Christ. Not only that, though, this is a bonus, but we will also no longer have to live our lives under the weight of sin. We have been made free from sin Sin shall no longer have dominion over us. Yet, nevertheless, Christians still sin. And a large part of our continual need for forgiveness and spiritual cleansing is due to man's pride. Remember, Paul told Timothy in the last days, men would become lovers of themselves. And as I look around, I don't know why on earth we would love ourselves We are a wicked people. We are a wicked culture. We have returned to a pagan society. 
I don't see anything admirable about men, especially those in the public eye. The ones usually are athletes, are just full of pride, or politicians are full of greed and corruption. And there's nothing I see that's admirable. And remember, when Christ comes back, he's not coming back to pat us on the back. He's coming back to judge us. We are in literally a whole hell of a lot of trouble. And that's why it's necessary to preach the gospel, to let man know, hey, your sin doesn't have to take you to hell. Christ has defeated the power of sin in your life. Repent, accept the sacrificial death of Christ, and be born again. Amen. Hallelujah. Mark seven twenty one and 23. This is heavy. For from within the heart of man proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. I mean, the list goes on. All of these evil things come from within, and they defile the man. As long as mankind will remain on this earth, operating in the midst of Satan's world, sin will be here to tempt us, and there will be times when we will succumb. First John five nineteen, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Yes, this is Satan's world. He's referred to as the God of this earth, the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air. The Amplified Classic of 1 John 5.19, we know positively that we are of God and the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. This is the environment, guys, into which you and me are sent. This is the environment in which Christians We are to actually flourish. Yes, we're going to be persecuted. Yes, we're called to suffer. Yes, we're going to slip into sin now and then. But thank God for the blood and we can get out of that in Jesus' name and we can be cleansed and restored in our fellowship with God. But it's a place where there's testing and it's a place where there's victory as well as there are defeats and the church goes through that also. Don't think that because of what Christ has done, you don't succumb to those temptations. You don't have to go through sufferings. No, as long as we have this earth suit, as long as we are here, we will be, what's the word, prone to these temptations. This flesh, there's nothing good about this flesh. That's why God gives us a glorified body when we leave this earth suit so that we don't have those temptations anymore. I'm still proving to you about this wicked world that we're living in. Let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We're living in darkness. We are lights shining in a dark place. We are living in the darkness, though. And you can't live in this world without being touched by it. But we are in this world, but we are not of this world. Jesus didn't remove sin, and he didn't remove Satan's power. He did destroy the power that sin held over mankind, though. Uh, You can only appropriate that promise when you are born again in Christ, when you receive his sacrificial death on your behalf. He has delivered us from that power, but it's up to us, Romans 13, 14, to manifest that power, to walk in that freedom, Romans 13. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I think we spoke about this last week. Don't have a provision for sin. Don't have a provision for the lust of the flesh to fulfill its desires. But because we still operate in this fallen world, trapped in these earth suits, and we are prone to sin, we still sin, and pride has made a home in many a Christian's heart. And First John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, 
and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. Notice, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, we see that on the outside of us, right? Your flesh is attracted to the things of the world. It responds to the world's stimulation. Uh, The lust of the eyes, Eve, right? She saw that the tree was attractive and it was good, and she lusted after the fruit, the lust of the eyes, and then the pride of life. That's not on the outside. That's on the inside. That's what man does when he allows these things into his heart. The American dream is fed this pride, actually. We've been taught how to be proud in America, right? Hallelujah. We've been taught how to seek after materialistic things that would make our lives easier, that would represent our successful lives. And we pursue them with everything we are. The American dream, it feeds it. The commercials that you see on television, we've been taught how to be proud especially concerning our carnal achievements, which result in materialistic gains. It's even preached in our churches, unfortunately. And yet Jesus plainly told us, Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He's talking about your provision. He's talking about your a place to live, something to eat. All these things that you need to have a successful existence, those things will be added unto you. If you seek first the kingdom of God, notice what Jesus says here, though. He doesn't mind us pursuing riches or seeking wealth, but make that secondary to seeking him. And when you do that, keep it in its proper place. Truth be told, if you keep your pursuits in order and seek for the master first, then those other things which you pursue will never have mastery over you. They'll never have the power to become master over you. If one reads this verse correctly, These other things necessary for a successful existence will be added unto you just because of your effort in putting Christ and his kingdom first. Rather than pursuing materialistic wealth and provision, God says he will provide it for you as a reward for placing him first. Read it again. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's God's promise. If you put me first. If you seek the kingdom of heaven first, I'll take care of you like I clothe the lily of the field. I'll take care of you, says the Lord. Just put me first. I point this out because sin's deception concerning pride and how we feed that pride can be very passive and sneaky where it slips in unnoticed. Pride can come in wearing many different outfits. Jealousy is one. Covetousness, another. Achievement, accomplishment can be vehicles by which pride enters into our lives. Even in our churches, competition with other preachers for large numbers or buildings or renown, fame, can cause church leaders to veer off course. And Paul saw this. Remember in Ephesus, in the book of Acts, he was getting ready to depart. And so he called the leaders of Ephesus in and he had a big meeting. And in Acts 20, verses 29 through 30, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after themselves. Now, these are the leaders. These are the deacons. These are the pastors of the church around the area of Ephesus. And Paul is letting them know, look, I'm leaving But what's going to happen is many of you are going to want to create your own church, want your own fame, and you're going to take people away from what we've already built here, 
And what is he saying that you're going to do? They are going to draw away disciples after themselves. They're going to have their own following. They're going to take it from what Paul's already established. Why would they do that? Because they are prideful. That's right. Paul warned the leaders at Ephesus that even some of them would rise up and start taking away church converts from their own ministries, for their own ministries. It was pride that led them to take away these folks from where they were. And how do we know this? Their desire was to draw away disciples for the purpose of following them instead of following Jesus. When Mary was speaking to Elizabeth, she began to prophesy before John was born of the future birth of the Messiah. And she said of Jesus in Luke one fifty one, he had shown strength with his arm. He had scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Now, understand this. Your mind actually is part of your soul and it is connected to your heart. And that's why we can say that your heart has thoughts. Your heart thinks. And so here she's prophesying that God, through Jesus, is going to scatter the proud and it's going to scatter them in the imagination of their hearts. He is going to use their thought life to bring them down because of pride. The scattered, the proud in the imaginations of their hearts. We're going to learn more about that in a minute. Here it's revealed that pride takes up residence in one's heart. Actually, it's a combination of mind and heart where pride dwells. Pride invades not only one's heart, but their intellect as well. It's a deadly combination because it then has total rule over one's soul. And only the power of God can free one from such demonic activity. Romans one twenty three. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. There is a certain way that you ought to think of yourself. You're not comparing yourselves to your fellow man. You're not counting your victories against the victories of your brother. You are not keeping score of your achievements. Well, I've got a bigger church. I've got a bigger building. I've got more money coming in. You're not supposed to be doing that. Remember, God punished David for taking a census after he told him not to. You are supposed to serve out of a pure heart, not because of any glory that you may gain along the way. If I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary. Amen. So it's revealed that pride is in people's hearts. That's why you've got to be careful. The deceitfulness of sin, it takes hearts down. Romans twelve three in the Amplified. For by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you not to think more highly of himself and of his importance and of his ability. Then he ought to think. Then he ought to think. There's a way you ought to think. The way that you ought to think. You need to discover that. The way that you ought to think is the way that God tells you to think. And the way God tells you to think is to keep Jesus ever before your face, remembering that you are on this earth as a child of God for the purpose of service, not glory. Any glory that you get is supposed to go to God. That's what he's saying. I want you to be careful about how you think. Here, I'm on the radio. I'm nobody. I'm on the radio. It came about quite by accident. I wasn't planning. I asked one question of one person. Next thing I know, this uh, advertising manager's on the phone with me. Come on, Ron, we can make you a deal. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, I'm not even talking about the stuff that I was thinking that I would do on the radio. We taught marriage classes and 
we were very successful. We wrote a book, and we were seeing God move. We were being used by God. We were saving marriages. The highlight of my week, ladies would come up to me with a baby in their arms, and they would say, Ron, if it wasn't for your marriage class, this baby would not be born. I go, mm-hmm. And anyway, that was high praise, and we love it. And that was telling me that we were doing what we were supposed to be doing. We were literally bearing fruit. But here I am talking about end-time insights, and it's important that we recognize we're supposed to think a certain way. I recognize it was God's Word that does it. You know, the kingdom of God, I get a kick out of it. Anytime something's good or anytime something happens that's really good, God gets the glory. Anytime something doesn't go well, it's on Ron. And, you know, that's just a pattern that I've noticed all the time. And my wife is quick to point it out, but it's okay. You know, we're growing. We'll get past all our failures and our mistakes. Thank you, Lord. Amplified, Romans 12, 3 again. For by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you not to think more highly of himself and of his importance and of his ability than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has apportioned to each of us a degree of faith and a purpose designed for service. But I like that. What it tells us here is that one's erroneous thinking about himself, his exaggerated view of himself, also messes up his ability to have a general sense of sound judgment. Let me read that again. For by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of himself and of his importance and of his ability than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. You know, when you're full of pride, you don't see things clearly. Because what happens is you start looking at things through your eyes of self-exaltation, that you're better than others, that you judge everything from your lofty position and you lose the reality of what you're seeing. It just works that way. And what it does is then, like I've had people think things about me because of pride. And it turns out that what they were thinking was wrong, as is want to, okay? And they thought that I was doing things that I wasn't doing and that my motives were wrong, that I had adopted this type of attitude concerning certain things, and they were wrong in that. But that led them to make erroneous judgments about other things. And next thing you know, they're wrapped up in this tangled web of deception. That's why you must stay humble. Second Timothy 3.13, but evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So when your judgment is off because of your pride, it not only will be off about yourself, but it will be missing in other areas as well. And that leads to evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, not only being deceived, but deceiving others as well. It's a good bet that these evil men were victims of prideful spirits, prideful thoughts. Prideful hearts usually give themselves away by their inability to see things accurately, clearly. Their judgment has been compromised, and most things are viewed by them purely through their own self-interest. Their thoughts are about themselves, and their service to others is only thought of in light of how it affects them first. That always leads to believing lies, and believing lies hides the truth. One can either believe a lie or a truth about something, but you can't believe both. Not only does it lead to believing lies, but eventually it results in telling lies as well. That's why they not only are deceived themselves, but they begin to share those deceptions with others. It can turn into gossip. 
it just can turn into a critical spirit. You must see yourself clearly as you are, not thinking of yourself more highly than he ought to. It will throw off your entire Christian witness. It will throw off your entire mindset concerning truth. This is neat. Remember Jonathan Edwards? He early evangelist in America, and he wrote a famous sermon, Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. He writes, Pride, wrote Jonathan Edwards, is the worst viper that is in the heart. It is the first sin that ever entered into the universe, and it lies lowest on all the foundation of the whole building of sin. I love the language there. Pride, it is the strongest peer, the strongest pillar in the foundation of the whole building of sin, he says. It is the most secret, deceitful, and unsearchable in its ways of working of any lust whatsoever. It is ready to mix with everything. Nothing is so hateful to God and contrary to the spirit of the gospel or of so dangerous a consequence. And there is no one sin that does so much let in the devil into the hearts of the saints and exposes them to his delusions than pride. Now, saints, that's just not any man speaking a sermon for the sake of drama. That's taken directly from Scripture, directly from the mouth of God, from the very heart of God revealed in Scripture how much God hates pride. The beginning of our understanding behind what Jonathan Edwards spoke in his sermon, Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God, must be the knowledge that God hates pride. And we're going to look at Proverbs 6. Verses 16 through 19. You've probably heard this before. These six things does the Lord hate. Yes, seven. God hates seven things. They're an abomination to him. A proud look. What? Pride is first. Right at the top of the list. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet to be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. These are the seven sins that God considers to be an abomination. Proverbs 16, 5. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Did you get that? If you have a proud heart, you are an abomination to the Lord, even if you call yourself a child of God. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join hands, they shall not go unpunished. Let me read you the Amplified Classic Translation. Everyone proud and arrogant in heart is disgusting, hateful, and exceedingly offensive to the Lord. Be assured, I pledge it. They will not go unpunished. That's some heavy-duty stuff. And notice he doesn't say every Jew. He doesn't say every Roman Catholic. He doesn't say every evangelical Christian. He doesn't say every pastor. He says everyone, everyone, saint and sinner, that is proud and arrogant in heart is disgusting to God. They are hateful to God. They are exceedingly offensive to the Lord, and be assured, God pledges it. They will not go unpunished. Now, you got to check this out here. Notice, God is not just displeased with the arrogance. He's just not against the pride, but he is disgusted by that behavior, not just in the sense of the sin, but by the person who commits that sin as well. That person, not the pride, not just the arrogance, not just the hardiness, but the person himself is what is an abomination to the Lord. Whew. 
Notice, of these seven things the Lord hates, a proud look is at the top of the list. That's got to speak to you. That's got to tell you the Lord's ultimate detestability for the one whose heart is prideful. And that's because pride is so demeaning to others. They are constantly looking down upon others. I know that. It's because they have become legendary in their own thinking. And all others are beneath him. He's better than everybody else. It's a terrible human condition. And it rules most of America's political leaders. It rules most of our business leaders. And yes, church leaders as well. Matthew twenty three twelve in the Amplified. Whoever exalts himself with haughtiness and empty pride shall be humbled, brought low. And whoever humbles himself, whoever has a modest opinion of himself and behaves accordingly shall be raised in honor. Matthew twenty three twelve. We're going to pick up with that when we come next week. But if you're having issues, if you think of yourself more highly than you ought to, if you are looking down on fellow brothers and sisters, family members, workers, you need to repent and ask God to forgive you. The last thing you want, the Bible says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The last thing you want to do is be fighting with God, especially at this time upon the soon return of Jesus Christ. I pray, I pray that God sends you repentance for pride in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.